everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to the triumphant return of Yelling About Sports. That's right, my name is Bill Matz, and I am joined this week by TheAthletic.com's Charlie O'Connor. That's right, Charlie sitting in the Steph chair. Uh, basically, we're all just kind of bored hanging out, and we thought, why not bring something else back? We talked a little about like some Eagles stuff and uh, whatnot on a BSH radio, and we were like, why don't we just kind of do... All the sports while we're hanging out, and there are no sports, so obviously it's the perfect time to restart a, uh, a sports podcast. Charlie, how are you? I'm good, and I'm going to do my best to like increase the amount of yelling that I do. So I feel like <laughs> I have to like adjust my persona a little bit for this show, because my general persona on BSH is like the rational, reasonable person. I don't feel like that's going to play terribly well in yelling about sports, so I'm going to try to like get more angry. I'll do my best. Yeah, that's you are often the voice of reason on the show, and on yelling about sports, we don't have a lot of logic and reason. It's yelling, <laughs> it's basically, it's a Patty's Pub uh, bar argument. That's that's what I like to call this show. Uh, but it's always a lot of fun, we're going to have a good time. But before we get into the sports, Charlie, uh, the number one show for the last couple days on uh, the streaming service Netflix, maybe you've heard of it, has been this little program, uh, I guess documentary series you could call it, called Tiger King. Now, I, I realize these are desperate times. There are no sports on TV. Everything's an upheaval. People aren't going to work. You just have a lot of time to sit and watch television. I understand it's desperate times. I understand it's tough times. But there is absolutely no reason to be turning your brain into mashed potatoes on purpose by watching these rednecks do redneck shit for hours at a time. Because that's all it is. That's all it is, is Southerners doing nonsense with animals that they shouldn't have, shooting guns that they shouldn't have, claiming they killed each other over... I, Charlie, have you watched this show at all? I have watched four episodes of Tiger King. And I'm probably going to watch the final three tonight. <laughs> I got I got into it. Uh, a bunch of my friends were watching it. And I was like, this sounds terrible. I'm not doing that. And Ava came home from work one day and was like, everyone's talking about Tiger King. Let's watch it. I'm like, yes, obviously, of course. Yes, let's do that. 100%. And yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm four episodes in like you are. And I just can't take it. I just can't take the redneckery. I, I watch a ton of pro wrestling, so I get that this comes off maybe a little hypocritical. But it's just too much. Yeah, but see, like, isn't this the point of almost every reality, popular reality show on television? It's like, watch terrible, insane people do terrible, insane things. Like, that's every single reality show, except this is a documentary and not one you're watching, like, sort of live. I don't know, like, it's, yes, it's bad, but it's bad in, like the way of like your mind is blown because like you say it's rednecks they're not just rednecks these like th these like take rednecks and like crank the knob up to a thousand like this is it's batshit i i'm just impressed that this like this documentary person actually was able to follow these people around for what seems like five years like yeah he said he this was a five-year project I can't believe that he lived. I can't believe that any of these people are alive. But you, 
I, you can't convince me that this is just what life is like in like Oklahoma. Well, I think my, that's this. I think my favorite part is when like randomly in the middle of an episode. This isn't even like a main plot line. They like add in a character who claims to be the inspiration behind Al Pacino's character in Scarface, and now he's buying like yeah. big cats. And that was just like a five minute. Oh, by the way, this guy. <laughs> it was like oh, when I saw when I saw all this start to unfold. All I could think about was in Scarface when he's got the fucking the lion or the tiger or whatever it is. And then they just introduce he's the only redeemable character. He's the only one I like. <laughs> and he's been to, like he he initially was once in his life sentenced to a hundred years in prison. <laughs> he's the only likable character on the show. I am just blown the fuck away that people are as enthralled by this thing. I get it. It is absolutely ridiculous. I just can't freaking this dude tried to run for president and governor and I'm like of course he did this is every crackpot you've ever seen who's like I'm gonna show the government my way of life I'm like no you're not you're an idiot you're an uneducated swamp person but I guess that's just what we are at now uh (laughs) I I just other and listen like I'm watching pro wrestling from 2005 right now I'm on a big kick I get it Different strokes for different folks, but I just can't help watching this show thinking this is what's wrong with our country. I mean, there are a lot of things wrong with our country, but I feel <laughs> like like maybe this is like the furthest thing that you could point to. But the, like, I guess every country probably has completely crazy people like these people. I don't know. Maybe they don't. Maybe we're just nuts. I will say I did. I did see a uh, I did see a commercial for uh, keeping up with the Kardashians where they just repeated, like, this is the best day of my life or something over and over for what felt like 45 minutes. And that show's probably worse than Tiger King. That's what I'm I'll saying. All the big reality shows just have a bunch of awful people on them. Like, yeah, real, my issue is That's really with reality television. My actual issue is with reality TV. <laughs> it's just that this one is the perfect... Like, if it was parody, it would be perfect. If you were to ask Bill, write me a story about what goes on in Florida, I'd be like, yep. It's already written. It's called Tiger King. <laughs> yes. Please, please write I do, that. Please I, write that. If I could have one tiger, I, I would do it, I think. See, you're now you're slowly getting on board with the craziness. Here you go, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't breed them. I wouldn't have a, a, a zoo. I wouldn't have a bunch of guns and say some lady fed her husband to one of these things. I would just have one tiger and raise it as my own. Okay. Okay, Bill. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. Okay. <laughs> That's how it starts. I'll just do meth once. How bad could it be? <laughs> Next thing you know, you're going to have your own cult. Okay. Yeah. Then. <laughs> That's a, these are all cults. Yes, oh, they are. We talked about this way longer. I get why it's so like you could just talk about it forever. That's ah, uh, fucking television. This this has to end. This quarantine has to end for the good of everyone's brain. <laughs> There's, All right, there's so not going to be much society left when this is over, but, but, but let's, let's talk about sports. <laughs> let's talk about sports. So, Charlie, uh, I want to know where you come down on this because I'm seeing a lot of proposals coming out right now, and a lot of people have a lot of different ideas. And, again, to reference wrestling, like there are two companies still running shows just in empty arenas right now. It's on TV every week. And I'm watching this shit. A lot of proposals have... Like, bringing people back slowly or maybe just finishing out one season with empty arenas. I gotta tell you, I would rather see games get canceled than play in empty stadiums. I, it's just, 
the atmosphere of sports, the community aspect of sports is what makes sports to me important. It's more than just guys playing children's games. And without the community aspect, man, I'm just not for it. I don't get the reasoning behind it. So I like disagree with you on one side, but then I sort of agree with you for a different reason on the other. So I, the reason why I disagree with you is because, quite frankly, I don't give a shit. Like, I just want to watch sports, and I agree it's not going to be as good with no fans in the stands because there is the atmosphere thing, but, like, I just want to watch sports, man. That said, the reason why I'm kind of on board with you is that my thing is that if this pandemic is still bad enough that you can't have fans in the stands, that I don't know how it makes sense for you to also have games. No, that's the thing. Like, people were trying to figure, like, okay, uh, you know, whoever, uh, who was it? Rudy Gobert was the player who was originally diagnosed from the Utah Jazz. And, like, I'm listening to sports radio one day, and, like, okay, who on the Sixers has it? Well, who was guarding him? And it was like, hey, they're all using the same ball. And so... <laughs> right? <laughs> They're all sweating like crazy. They are playing a professional sport. Yeah, like, as much as, okay, we keep people out of the stands, and then it takes a certain number of people. Like, uh, have you ever been on a bench? Uh, that's that's 20 guys sitting on top of each other. Like, uh, there's, and yeah, I really, like, okay, that probably won't spread the pandemic too bad. It's only, you know, 20 guys aside, and then coaches, and then referees, and then someone's going to have to film the game, and someone's going to have to call the game, and suddenly we're looking at over 100 people. I realize, like, if we're talking a Flyers game, all right, we got 45 guys down on the ice, and a few upstairs calling the game, and some cameraman, some cameramen throughout the building. It's not like they're all right on top of each other, but it adds at up, a certain though. point, it adds- I don't know, it just... It, it adds up. Like, there's there's more people than you would think if you account for, like, the medical people they have to have in the building. And then you account for the media who's going to want to be up there. Like, you would, I would think bare minimum, you do a hockey game, you have over 100 people. And that's bare minimum. And are we even allowed to have 100 people in a building? Like, I don't know. Aren't we, aren't we down to 10 right now? It's like you can't have gatherings of over 10 people? I just... Yeah, like, I... Yeah, I... I'm, I'm trying to have a couple friends over tonight. I'm like, this seems like a bad idea. The police might show up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, look, sports are always going to be better with people in the stands. They are because the the crowd creates energy. The players feed off the energy. You know, there's it, it would be weird to watch a cup final game and have, like, Claude Drew score a game-winning goal in overtime and, like, you hear nothing. You hear, like the players shouting a little bit, but they can't even like create that much noise because they're only like 20 guys. It would be, yeah. it would be bizarre and it wouldn't be as good as having a crowd in the stands, but I freaking love sports and I just want to be able to analyze stuff. So I, I would do it. But again, like if you're going to, if it's, if it's that bad, if it's, if the only way you would have sports without people in the stands is if the pandemic is still going on and the sports leagues are just like, well, we think we can mitigate it and maybe we'll like quarantine all of our players when they're not playing so they don't get it. But like, it just seems like you're playing with fire, man, if you're trying that because you're trying to, it's like a half measure. And as, as uh, you, you're, you watch Breaking Bad, right? Yeah. It's like Mike, you, you, no half measures. No more half measures. No, and, no more half measures the, NHL. Like, when when people when sports got canceled and athletes started testing positive, 
that's like when people started taking it seriously. That's a good point. Because it was a big, it was a big hoax up until then. Uh, you know, yeah, right. only a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and I just like, are you telling me we're gonna have the Flyers in the playoffs, and a couple of people aren't gonna try to tailgate? Because they are. Yeah, it's true. It's a good point. And you're gonna, if you just start lifting some restrictions, it's gonna be like, all right, life's back to normal. Everything's cool. I'm getting on the subway and going down there. Like it's gonna just. It's going to be a, and I'm never for like I I don't trust the government at all. I don't I'm never <laughs> for any of this stuff, but I'm just like it seems better safe than sorry at this point. And I don't know. I, I don't know if owners have changed their minds, but I know at one point the Bruins were, oh well, we're not going to pay the people for games that are postponed. Uh they're just canceled. So, you know, they're still going to get that work in just maybe later, so we're not going to continue to pay them, pay them and then maybe pay them twice. So I just rather for the good of everybody see these games canceled and I'll see you in the fall. Like that's what I'm thinking right now. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but it's not looking great that this is ending anytime soon. So, It's not. But if you do want to scratch that sports itch, uh, right now you can watch the Flyers lose Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final to the Chicago Blackhawks on NHL Network. So if you're really looking for that good old Flyers pain, it's available. <laughs> yeah, you always need that, that little injection of Flyers pain just to remind you that like the world is terrible. Like We're not getting a reminder of that every minute of every day of our lives right now. All right, Charlie. So a couple of weeks ago on uh, on Broad Street Hockey, we talked uh, quickly. We we talked briefly about uh, Eagles free agency and Howie Roseman and the direction of the team. Uh, basically, by the time we had that show published, our uh, our takes were antiquated because they had made the Darius Slay trade and some things had become official. But as it stands right now, with the moves that they have made, the Philadelphia Eagles. How are you feeling about Howie Roseman? Like, do you think he is setting this team up to win now? Do you think he's the guy for the job? We talked about this a little. I want to really know how you're feeling about Howie. Okay. Um, I mean, do I think he's the guy for the job? Yeah. Like, he won the, he built a team that won the Eagles a Super Bowl. Like, I'm not, I'm not screaming that Howie Roseman needs to get fired or anything. Like, he's got a pretty long leash. You win a, you win a Super Bowl for a team. You win a championship for a team. You get a pretty long leash. One thing that I did see, and this was this was before the Slay trade got announced and the, and the Slay extension, so it maybe came a little antiquated, but I think there's a lot, something to be said about the, the sentiment behind the tweet. I forget who tweeted it out, but basically the, the gist of the tweet was, Howie Roseman is a really smart guy. He's also very concerned with making sure everyone knows that he's a really smart guy with the kind of moves that he makes and doesn't make. Yeah. And I, I just, I have a feeling that, like, that might be what's hurting them this, like, this year, where, like, yeah, I get it that Malcolm Jenkins was getting older, but, like, at some point you just, like, rather than, like, oh, well, man, so dumb giving him a couple more million dollars a year because he's X age, like, just pay the money because if not, you're going to have to use Jalen Mills as one of your starting safeties. Like it just felt like a lot of the moves that they did and did not make this off season were a case of like Howie wanting to remain seeming to the league as the small, one of the smartest guys or the smartest guy in the room. And what you're left with, like, they're they're gonna have to roll Alshon Jeffrey out there again next year. And like everyone and their mother knows that Alshon Jeffrey can't stand Carson Wentz. Like, I don't think I, I never thought that it was a coincidence 
despite the fact that obviously the receivers that Wentz had those final four or five games of the year when the Eagles finally started winning, the receivers he had were objectively way less talented than the guys he had the first half of the year. I didn't think it was a coincidence he started playing better. You know why? Because I think he actually realized when he would go into the huddle that he didn't have two or three guys that were looking at him like, oh, this fucking guy. He's just going to call another play to Zach Ertz again, ain't he? Like, I think he benefited from the fact that there wasn't a mutiny in the huddle. And I get that, like, Jeffrey's going to miss the beginning of the year, and who knows what he's even going to provide. And, yeah, if you cut him, then you're going to have a cap hit, you know, cap hold on your thing. But, like, this guy, this receiver, and, like, I'm not, sh- I'm not saying this to shit on Jeffrey because he was on the Super Bowl team, and I'll love him forever for, for bringing the, helping to bring the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Made some great catches in that game. But, like, if the receiver doesn't get along with the quarterback, get rid of the receiver. When it's a franchise quarterback. I don't know how we're very possibly going to end this offseason with Alshon Jeffrey still on the team. I, I, I that That's inexplicable to me. Yeah, like, here's the, like, as crazy as the whole T.O. thing got, and there's plenty of blame to go around, end of the day, when there was, when the, and that's a, that's a Hall of Fame receiver right there, the Eagles said, ah, hey, you know what? You gotta go. Yeah. Like, you just gotta go. And that's, I want to go back to your uh, how he's the smartest guy in the room thing because he is undoubtedly really smart, yeah, but absolutely. I do think that works against him a little bit because l- l- some of the trades he's made, he is out and out one. He, it, like the uh, the Timmy Jernigan trade was great, this Darius Slay trade, the, um, the, the trades to, to move up and get Wentz, the two deals he made there. He has made some awesome trades that he is just obviously won but it seems unless he can get Jay Ajayi for a fourth round pick he's not going to do those trades like if it's okay here's a really good player you have to turn you have to give up something really good for him he just isn't going to do it and I understand asset management but you know what would be awesome for Carson Wentz DeAndre fucking Hopkins the guy who the guy who catches literally everything I, I just I don't understand how there's any price that's too big for him and it just seems that if he can't come off as oh man how he worked his magic again like the way the way he's able to make those trades that he wins the way he's able to draw up these contracts like this Darius Slay extension looks freaking awesome their whole starting secondary right now has a lower cap hit than Byron Jones like it looks like he did a really good job on this again but sometimes the best players cost a lot you could have had Jadavian Clowney. You know what happened? Jadavian Clowney knocked your quarterback out of a playoff game. That's what <laughs> happened. Like, uh, it's, I don't, I, I, and I think talent evaluation, man, that's a big issue because they're going to be leaning so heavily on the draft. And this team doesn't draft well. No, no. I, I started this question asking you, do you think he's the guy for the job? And I guess maybe I want the jobs separated. I want someone else making the talent decisions, making personnel decisions. And when it comes to drawing up contracts, when it comes to laying out the groundwork for trades, how we're going to manage our assets, absolutely. How we should be all over that. Actual football operations. But man, talent evaluations, that's not him. So basically you want to pull a Chip Kelly. You want want to kick him to the back building. No, I want him to still have. That's the thing. I don't want to make him go away because I think he is extremely talented in some ways. But like Chip wasn't very good at it either. Chip well, just yeah, wanted that, his that was guys. The, that was the problem. Chip, 
Like Chip didn't like Chip didn't like getting told no. We're not taking fucking. I want to call him Aubrey Huff. What was his name? The receiver, the Oregon receiver, Josh. Josh Huff. Josh Huff. Josh we're Huff. not taking him in the second round. He's gonna be there in the fourth. Stop it, Chip. Like yes, you do still need someone to do that. Chip was just a maniac too. I I just worry about the like. Man, it's gonna be. They're gonna have to lean so heavily on the draft when when Wentz's extension really kicks in, and I wonder if they can do it. Yeah, I mean they they haven't drafted well. That's a that's a straight up fact. They have not drafted well recently, and it's funny talking about this whole like how he seems like he's very concerned with being the smartest guy in the room, and you making that point about like not making trades that he's not the obvious winner on. I always kind of got the feeling that Ron Hextall was sort of similar, and that like yes. you know he. He got this idea that, like, I have to, like, so obviously win a deal. There's no, there was, like, there's no way that Ron Hextall makes the Matt Niskanen trade. There's just no way. There's none, there's none. no way he makes that trade because he's like, well, people are going to criticize me because Racco Gudis is, you know, on a good contract and Niskanen this. And, like, that was a deal that worked for both sides. And I don't know if Ron Hextall would have been willing to pull the trigger on that because it wasn't an obvious win for him. And Howie, I think, in some ways has some similarities there. Obviously, Howie did a better job on the whole than um, than than Ron because I think Howie was better. I think Howie's better at like filling out a roster than Ron ever was. Yeah. Um, but then again, Ron was a better drafter. So hey, you know yeah. what? Everybody's got their positives and negatives, right? Yeah, like that's I, I'll say like. It- Ron Hextall would never find Patrick Robinson. Yeah. It would yeah. be like, you know, but he would also never draft Oscar Lindblom. Like, uh, how he would never draft Oscar Lindblom. That's just not the way it would go. So, yeah, I do think those two things are similar. Like, Ron, uh, yeah, Ron would make the Ronaldo trade. Yeah, yeah, two third-round picks, sure. But not, you know, a- a- an obvious move that maybe he could have. All right, let's stick with hockey now that we've transitioned there. This is something I talked about with Kelly uh, when we did our post game of the Flyers, was it Game Seven against Boston from 2010? And just watching, man, that team and that core and how much I loved it. Uh, that's that's my still my most beloved Flyers team, and hopefully they can be supplanted whenever hockey comes back. But to this day, that's that's my favorite all time Flyers team, and. Man, I still wear my Mike Richards jersey. He's still my guy, even after everything that went down. And just thinking about what his career was and what I thought about him then, because I start watching like the uh, the History Will Be Made videos from that run. And the one where he has the shift against Montreal. And the video was, what if, what if Richie didn't play like Clarkie? <laughs> and awesome. like, dude, it fucking hit me like Toy Story 4. Like, I'm sitting there getting choked up. And it was, and I started thinking about Richard's career and what if he had stayed here the whole time? What if there wasn't the big blow up? And just the idea of what ifs, the ultimate what if player in Philadelphia history to me is Eric Lindros. I think Mike Richards had more of a what if career than Big E. Now, Eric Lindros, his ceiling was best ever. It really was. And he did not reach that. He didn't win a cup. He, uh, you know, has the big falling out, all the injuries and everything. But still ends up in the Hall of Fame, is still thought of as an all-time great player, an all-time great flyer. His number's retired. I'm not, Mike Richards was never, that was never his ceiling. But most beloved flyer of all time was. And he is not close to that. So here's where I disagree with you. I, 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 I see where you're coming from. I do. And, like, I think in theory maybe that makes sense. 
The reason why I disagree with you is because I don't think there was any way. I don't think there's any way Mike Richards' career ends aside from the way it ended because I don't think his playing style was sustainable over a long over a long time period. Like I even even if he doesn't have the issues with um you know with, with substance abuse that were rumored and then obviously had the the border thing. Like even if that doesn't happen, I just don't think a guy with his his physical stature could have continued to play the way he needed to play to succeed and not have his body be broken down by his late 20s. I just don't think it was possible. So, like, it's not a what-if for me because even if the Flyers keep him, I think that contract still looks terrible by the time he's 30. And then people are screaming for the next five years, when is Mike Richards going to retire because he's a shell of himself? You know what I mean? Man, Mike Richards on the uh, long-term injured reserve for this whole time. <laughs> I just I, like I think if you could if you could tell me like what if Mike Richards' body just could deal with being that for fifteen years? Yeah, that's an amazing what if. I just don't even know if that's a realistic what if because I don't know if anybody could play like that at do you 5, think? 10, okay, so do you believe he was good enough to adapt to a different style? Enable to like stay close to as effective. No, I don't, because I I don't think I don't think he was ever unbelievably skilled. I think the only way he could be like I maybe he could have adapted and become like a solid fourth liner, but like with the contract he had, that never would have been enough for anyone, and then everyone would have hated him. Like yeah, if if you could have like somehow renegotiated his contract when he started falling off a cliff and turned him into like Dave Andrichuk for the final five years of his career, with getting paid a mil a half a year to be the team captain and the grinder type who you know isn't that great of a skater but still makes smart plays, yeah, that could have worked. But that's not the way the NHL contract situation set up. He still would have been getting paid big money to be nowhere near as effective, and then people would have hated him. I mean, look at what happened with Ryan Howard. Yeah, that, oh man, poor Ryan Howard. Uh, do you think we ever saw, like, okay, so Mike Richards' prime here, do you believe that was his absolute peak? That was the best he was ever going to be? Yeah. Why, you don't? I wonder. I mean, was he, like, it, it, there's so many X factors. Like, could he have moved over to a wing like Giroux? Like, say, say Jeff Carter becomes the complete center he was supposed to be and he's able to maybe transition to a to a support role on his wing or something like that where you're still getting him to kill penalties you're still uh, like uh, yeah I, I mean the what the one what if I do wonder with him because I as I said I think his body was gonna was gonna break down he was never gonna be able to sustain that style the one what if I do have is I wonder and like I don't I don't begrudge him this because you know what? It's his life. He wanted to have fun. Fuck it. I gotcha. But I do wonder if he could have been even better in his prime had he, like, had the work at, like, had he treated his body like, say, Sidney Crosby rather than going out and partying. Like, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not criticizing the guy. Like, shit, when I was in my early 20s, I partied. Fuck it. But, like, if he would have, you know, been a Sidney Crosby type, like my body is a temple rather than like getting fucking bombed every weekend, maybe he could have been a hundred point player rather than an 80 point player. I don't know. I, I will never know, but that's a maybe for me. And that's like, that's part of the what if for me is that his peak was so short. I think he only had two like point of game seasons. Uh, I, like, 
I don't know if we ever saw the absolute best of Mike Richards, and the only thing that I think held Lindros back from that, aside from injuries, because he won an MVP, he went to a cup final, went to the Hall of Fame, you see the gaudy point-of-game numbers. The issue for me with Lindros, the only thing that really held him back from ever being, like, the, the absolute, seeing the absolute best of him, is, like, his best line mates were the Legion of Doom. And listen, that was a great line. It worked. The style of play, it was fun. But look at John DeClaire's career numbers, career averages, with and without Lindros. He is a 20-25 goal scorer without him and a 50 goal scorer with him. Uh, I you- see, uh, see, I disagree with you there. I think Leclerc was. I think Leclerc's way better than you're giving him credit for. I mean, the Montreal years, I kind of throw out the window because they really weren't using him the way he needed to be used. The Flyers just kind of stumbled upon this 50-goal score. Maybe he's not a 50-goal scorer without Lundros. I still think he's like a 35-40-goal scorer, especially in the old NHL. I mean, I mean he, he could good. rip He that. was good, man. He was really, really oh, good. He- I'm not doubting he was good. I'm just saying, like, look at Lindros never had anyone close to him. Like, there was no Brent's, one in the league that was close to him except maybe Lemieux before he retired. Yeah, but think like and Lemieux Yager. and Yager. Lemieux and Yager were on a team together. Think about those Edmonton teams. These these guys. That's that's who Lindros was. The next one. These guys were all paired with other superstars. And I can't say he ever had another superstar. He absolutely made the most out of it and made some guys' careers. And yes, John DeClaire, very good player. Don't want to sell him short. I do want, like, is Rod Brendamore the best 2C he was ever going to have? Rod Brendamore is an amazing 2C, but I, I don't know. You know it's it is, not Mark Messier. You know, it is kind of funny. And, like, I've never really thought about this. And I don't know. I, I, I wonder if this is just coincidence or if there's something to this, but like you really you go back and you think about it, like every single like every single NHL player of the decade superstar, they all have that second guy who's also a fucking superstar. Like you have Gretzky and Messier, you have Lemieux and Yager, you have Crosby and Malkin. Now you have McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like it's never just the one guy. Like even if the teams aren't that, they always have that one other dude who's like not as good, but still like a Hall of Famer. And then there's Giroux and Lindros, (laughs) (laughs) just hanging out, just hanging out, making everyone else money. But seriously, just making millions and millions yeah. of dollars for their line mate. But like, I just, and, I don't, I don't know how that's always seemed to work out. But like, that kind of always has seemed to work out. Like, you know, maybe, I, I don't, I honestly don't know enough about Detroit history. Like, what Gordy Howe, they had what the production line, but there was no one that was on Gordy Howe's level. Like, that was as good as Gordy Howe. But like, yeah, from starting with Gretzky, I mean, they've all, the, the the best player in the league has always had another guy who was in the argument for like top five player in the league. Yeah, and that's and that's I wonder like if Lindros and like and I'm not trying to sell guys like Brendan Moore short, not trying to sell guys like Leclerc short, but they're not superstars or weren't at the time. That's all. Uh, since I brought up Giroux, I just want to get your take on this because I know what mine is. Giroux is going to, he's going to retire like second in everything. He's got a chance at a bunch of the Flyers records. Uh, he's 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 going to be behind only Clarkie and pretty much everything. Um, if he has a few more big seasons, he might challenge Barber with 420 goals. But do you think he's a Hall of Famer without a ring? 
Uh, yes. I think he eventually gets there because I just think he's, I think he's going to play for quite a while. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't think he's a guy who's going to retire soon. I think he's got like another, you know, even after this contract expires, I think he's got another three, four years left in him. And I think he's going to rack up enough points that like we've talked about for so long, how underrated he is. But I do think on some level it is going to eventually benefit him that he played in fucking Philadelphia. Like, yeah. the, the Flyers are on TV all the time. Everyone knows Claude Giroux. Like, it's no, not, I mean, he's underrated in the sense that I think a lot of people don't realize how good he is, but everybody knows him. Every, every hockey fan knows Claude Giroux. They know he's the best player on the Flyers, even if he might not be anymore because Chogaturi is amazing. Yeah, from 2013 to 2018, they were the definition of mediocre, and they're getting as many outdoor games as Chicago. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like, it, it, like we we complain about that shit all the time, but they're they're a dynasty, and we got one really good player and no goalie. Like that's what was going on here. Uh, I just, man, I, I love G. He's really come out the other side for me. Uh, but the thing is. I, I agree. I think he's going to play a while. I think he's going to sign at least one more contract here. I think he's going to be around. But his prime is over with. And the gaudy numbers are over with. And he's got no hardware. You know? He's got no MVP. He's got no... Uh, uh, what's the what's the points leader? Not the... God damn it. Art not Ross. the Art Ross. The other one. Well, it is the Art Ross. What, you, what, what award are you talking about? For the most points. Yeah, it's Art Ross. That's the Art Ross. Yeah, the yeah. Rocket Richard is goals. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, he doesn't have an Art Ross. He doesn't have any of that stuff. And I just think without a championship, like if he has that moment where he's still the captain and it's like he's got gray in the beard and he finally gets the fucking cup and he's going to the Hall of Fame without a doubt in my mind. If he doesn't have that one singular moment without all the other stuff i just don't see it like joe thornton has the mvps he's got the the playoff runs he's got all this stuff that i g just doesn't i don't think i would be really pissed off if he gets snubbed for the hall of fame i just think he, i think he's a hall of fame caliber player and i'm not even like a big hall of fame guy like the guy who's like oh yeah let everybody in like if if Giroux ends with the level of points that i think he's gonna end with i don't know how you keep him out especially considering the era he's played in where it's not that easy to score points anymore it's not but he's also going to be compared to when you talk about the era he played in crosby malkin ovechkin well yeah but all those, those are- all those guys are definitely getting in it's not like exactly. you can only let three guys in from an era. And he's not them. That's always just been... When you talk about caliber player, yeah, I think he's that caliber player. I always just think about the voters. And I think when you compare him to them, like, just in their minds, he's a tier below. I mean, he definitely is a tier below. I don't think... I mean, even the most biased Flyers fan would acknowledge he's a tier below Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin. But, like... I just well, Peter Laviolette said he's the best player in the world, Charlie. <laughs> we yeah, had to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just don't, I don't see it. Like, to me, he's like, to me, Patrick Kane is absolutely getting in the Hall of Fame, and I think Claude Drew is just as valuable a player as Patrick Kane. The only difference is that Patrick Kane was on a better team, so he got to win some cups. But I think in terms of like value added to team, I think Drew is just as valuable as Kane. Oh, yeah, like, I think Taves is going to get in, and that's a joke that Giroux w- wouldn't yeah. behind him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I, 
I just... But again, I guess that goes back to your point about the cops. Yeah. No, I think that shit's going to matter when he doesn't have... Like, I think he should have been a Selkie finalist a couple of times, Drew, in his prime. He was really that good. He was killing penalties, doing so much shit, carrying the team, winning every single face-off. I think he should have all this hardware. I think he's been overlooked for it. But at the end... I think if he doesn't have that crowning achievement, it's just going to go... Like, Ronick's not in yet, right? And Ronick is like, while he's not, I don't think, an all-time great player, he's one of those faces of the league type players, you know? And he's not in. I think he would... I, I mean, I don't know how things are going to play out with him now, considering that, like, all yeah, that shit man. that happened this year. But I, I always thought he would get in eventually. Like, not... He was never going to be a first ballot guy, but it, one of these years he would sneak on. He still might sneak on. I mean, you know how these things go. But I just... Yeah, like, I mean, Drew's not a first ballot Hall of Fame, right? I I certainly wouldn't argue that. But I think he's a guy who should be in. And if he doesn't get in... It's... it, it He kind of is in the same sort of boat for me as... um, And I guess it's a little bit different because this guy does have a championship. But he's in the same boat for me as Chase Utley, where, like... I think Chase Utley should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's going to get in, but if he doesn't get in, I'm going to be really pissed off. And it'll be the same thing with Giroux. That's an interesting, that's an interesting comparison because, to me, the only thing holding Chase back is his prime was so short. Yeah, longevity. Like, yeah. If you look at it purely like by analytics, Chase Utley's one of the most valuable fucking players ever in his prime. It's just like his prime was what? 05 yeah. to 09? Yeah, four or five years. Yeah. Like, Giroux is going to be very productive into his mid-30s, I would guess. But I don't know if he's going to have, like, does he have another MVP season in him? Probably not. <sighs> probably not. Yeah, probably not. All right, Charlie, we said we weren't going to make this show too long, so I don't want to drag this thing out. But uh, I just want to know, like, people are asking, like, what we're all up to, how we're passing the time, and I'm like, by doing shit like this. <laughs> yeah, basically. pretty much, right? <laughs> but, uh, I want to know, what is your, what's your most unique sports replacement activity? You spend more time than me watching sports. Like, you sit there, you, you're, you're doing things. I, uh, you said on BSH last night you started a tracking project, but that can't yeah. be eating up all your time. What's your most unique sports replacement activity? Well, it, it actually eats up a lot. <laughs> it, it, it probably t- it probably takes about like uh, like two two and a half hours to track a game with the stuff I'm tracking. So that takes takes up a good portion of the day. Um, I don't know, like Charlie continuing to work. Bill really uh, cre- uh, starting an affinity with uh, pink lemonade vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh. I don't know. I mean, the big thing I, I spent a lot of time over the last couple of weeks after they canceled hockey was uh, just catching up on my music listening. So because I, I that that's something I usually do right after the season ends, because I find it hard to keep up on like that year's albums while hockey is going on, particularly the playoffs. But like once that's over, I just have a big list of usually like about like 50 albums that I just want to run through and catch up so then I can listen to everything as it comes out. And this year, I only had a list of, like, 20 because it was only mid-March. So I just went through them all, and now I'm caught up, so now I'm bored again. But um, but that was, that was like, one of my main – I'm, like, a very task-oriented person in that, like, I just set goals, and then, like, that's what I focus on until I finish it. And then after I finish it, it's like, okay, well, I got to set another goal. So my goal after hockey was done was, okay, I'm going to do this tracking project, and I'm going to catch up on music. Well – now I'm caught up on music, so I guess now I have to find TV shows, I guess, maybe. There you go. Probably. That's 
I saw I saw a meme the other day, and it was like this dog hiding from his owner, standing on top of like a kitchen cabinet, and it was like we've been for twenty walks today. Leave me alone. <laughs> and that's my dog. Like I put his I put his collar on him earlier, and he was like, no, he was just laying there. Like he rolled onto his back. He's like, I'm done with this. You're just doing this because you're bored. I'm like, yes. <laughs> That's yes, exactly. I can't watch another episode of SVU. I can't take it. <laughs> but yeah, like I always, I always try to catch up on stuff like I fell behind on, and now, now, like I'm caught up. Yeah, I know, still, right? That's the thing. No like, we're all sports. catching up on the shit that we wanted to do, and now it's like, well, okay, yeah. what did I not want to do? <laughs> I thought the president said this was going to be over in a week or two. What the fuck? It's a hoax, Bill. It's a hoax. So, so what's at what point do esports become a viable option for you? Like, I've Me? thought a couple of times about watching people play video games. Okay, well, I mean, people—that's what we all did when we were in like grade school and high school. Anyway, we all just went over to a friend's house and watched them play video games. That's like, <laughs> like, look, I'm not an esports guy by any means. I don't know if I ever will be, but I never really understood the people that made fun of it because it's like this is all we did when we were kids. We're now we're yeah. now like. Like the people who are like, I don't understand how these kids can just watch people stream stream themselves playing video games and enjoy it. It's like I used to do that every fucking day after school in seventh grade. I'd go over to my buddy's house and watch him play like Legend of Zelda or something. So it's just that, except there's now streaming and we can watch shit on YouTube now. So like I don't think it's ever gonna be an option for me. Although I might try to watch that um Apparently, like, NASCAR drivers are driving or doing e-NASCAR or something, like, on Sundays in place of the race. So, I may check that out and see if I enjoy it. But, like, beyond that, I don't – that's just fun because it's the actual drivers. So, like, it's not, like, a bunch of, like, professionals. These are, like, a bunch of, like, dudes who actually drive the – are in the sport. And, like, they probably all suck. So, like, it would just be funny to watch them be terrible. At, like, something yeah. they're normally awesome at. But beyond that, I mean, I don't think I'll get into it. But I certainly do not begrudge anybody else who's into it. No, that's – I don't want to watch the pros play. But I saw that, like, Reese Hoskins was going to play MLB The Show against uh, Miguel Rojas from the Marlins. Like, because there's no opening day. Yeah, they were yeah. just going to play each other in MLB. That I would watch. Yeah, yeah. And hearing about, like – Giroux bought an Xbox, played two games against Scott Lawton, and hasn't picked it up since. <laughs> I would pay money. I, I don't even want to watch. Just tap me into their headsets. Oh, yeah. Like I, I want to hear Lawton chirp Giroux so bad. Yeah, just like, oh, yeah, you're a fucking all-star out there, but you, you got shit in this. <laughs> the, that's probably all, like, the third and fourth liners are just ru- – like, Sean Couturier, I, like, I can, I'm just picturing him, like – Holding the controller upside down, <laughs> not knowing what to do and shit. Like I would watch that. I don't know about actual esports, but I would definitely watch. Like yeah, the, this Flyers team, man, I miss them. I would watch them do anything. Were you on that conference call today? I was. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, most people saw like the main stuff. Anything funny stick out to you? No, I mean everything that was funny, everybody tweeted out. That's the yeah, thing. Okay. Like, like I was talking to my editor. Like, am I going to do a story on this? And we kind of went back and forth, and it's like, well, everyone's going to be publishing this. It's not like anybody got anything unique, and, like, we're behind a paywall, so I don't really, like, if we're hurting for content, I guess we could because we could create something. But I just did an article yesterday on the, the Jack Adams Award race, so, like, we don't really need to pump out an 800-word column that's going to be the exact same thing that everyone else who was on the call pumped out. But it was funny. I mean, it was funny to me that, like, because they had Jeru uh, Crosby, Mark Stahl, and Jordan Stahl. And, like, after the beginning, like, which is very clear, like, a feeling out process, 
the four of them were basically just cutting each other up, which was great. <laughs> Like they just they just fall right back into old habits of like yeah we're rivals and like we don't hate each other but like we all kind of like giving each other shit so ah oh, that's good stuff I'm glad that they're staying occupied well uh, anyone who has uh, who who hasn't seen it at theathletic.com they're running what is it a 90 day free trial Charlie? 90 day free trial yeah so. yeah so check that out and uh, do it through uh, click the link at the end of one of Charlie's stories so he gets credit for it I guess that's how yeah that that'd works. be cool yeah give me credit for the sub that'd be awesome. Yeah, Thanks, uh, at Broad Street Hockey, I guess just keep listening to our shit, uh, read there, our stories. The we stuff's going to stuff's gonna keep coming. We're going to keep yeah. pumping out the old content. Yeah, we're going to have more stuff for you in the coming days. Uh, keep listening to our podcasts. Uh, we started the top 25 under 25. Re, uh, read those articles. We have what we're watching articles. I'm going to write one soon, and that's going to be hilarious because I'm watching stuff no one else is. So it'll be funny even <laughs> if you're not interested in the shows at all. That's it. That is all the time we have for you on Yelling About Sports. I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to try to do a few of these. We're going to see what happens. We're going to try to pump some stuff like this out. Uh, just keep you guys entertained and honestly entertain ourselves because what the fuck else are we doing? All right, so that's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, hit that subscribe button. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts. Till next time, for Charlie, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody.